if you go to coffee with Eric, you may be standing up here. That's what, how that story happened. Um, so <laughs> warning, note to self. Or actually, you will be um, asked to step into what God is calling you to do. Because that's the call he has on his life, is to encourage us to do that. And I've come out of a long season of not, um, you know, being a vessel for God in the church, where he's taught me how to be a vessel outside the church. And um, now I'm actually, it's a cool combination. I feel like I'm linking arms between the community and business and the church. And so now it's like I'm in both. Um, but you have to be patient with yourself because sometimes you can't do it all, all at once. And so um, that's kind of what I think is happening in my own spirit. But um, what is happening in our community and in our church is kind of what it, this is all about. Um, I'm seeing as a, um, a prophetic woman and also apostolic, I feel like that's what's coming through in this message. And um, I had to come to grips with that. That's who I am. And um, I'm not a preacher I just am, I can see a, a lot of really higher and, and a bigger picture. So that's kind of where we're going from. It's like taking what our church is doing and giving it a bigger purpose, and that's called revival in our city. My true heart is revival in our city, and we're cultivating that inside of our business, and, our, and then, um, you know, as we start to make some risky and business moves and taking our business downtown, um, it's just going to be an arena for God to just have his way, which is awesome. So I'm just going to go into this. I'm not going to talk much more, but I just want to encourage you that um, if you are hesitating on being obedient in something, I pray that after this message, you're no longer hesitant because quick, uncommon and quick obedience leads to uncommon and quick blessings. So I hope that that's what you get, um, is that being obedient quickly is so important to the heart of God. And so I'm going to play this video, and then I'll go into what's what God shared in my heart. I love, I, I like this video because it gives us some key points to focus on when it comes to revival. It gave you the definition of it being a, a reawakening of a religious fervor. Okay, that word came out of Karen's mouth on Sunday, last Sunday, that she is fervently praying. There's a difference between praying and fervently praying. There's a difference between being a Christian and a fervent Christian. So it is a, a reawakening of that. Um, it also talked about you're going to see repentance happen. That's what activates the heart of revival is repentance and faith. And so we'll... We'll be preaching that. Um, and where does it begin? With the church. It begins with the church. And that's people who, who love Christ and carrying him out. Um, it says, turn your eyes from worthless things and revive us, O Lord, in your ways. And that is also what's happening right now. You fast from your favorite things, you're going to turn from those things, and you're going to press into God so he gives you more strength. And that's been happening in our house over the last week. We've had quite a few manifestations, kids at my feet crying, and me wanting to cry at Scott's feet at times when I am baking all these delicious desserts and I can't eat one of them. And so God's been doing something in our home, which I'm going to talk about that because I think that's something that 
we all are growing in. And I, I love to see that a lot of the kids of our church are participating. Um, it, there was one statement in this video that struck me, and it says, you have become dull in hearing. And so that's why I think this, when this fast was called, my spirit was like, yes, yes. Because we don't want to be dull in our hearing because we have to be able to hear the spirit so we can move with him. Which is where I want to lead you to. Um, what does revival mean? I want to go through that. I, I said it already, but it's an awakening. And it's what we call every move of God from the first century. A revival is a reviving of something that's dead or that was asleep. And why do we want a revival in our hearts, our homes, and our community? Well, in history, in the, I, I, every time I hear revival, my spirit would leap. Every time a song we sing about it, or Eric will say it, or I'll hear it, it just makes me want to come out of my skin. Like, I just get so excited. I, can, I just have for years, probably 10. And I never knew what that was. And then I started really... Um, studying a little bit more about it and in history the revivals we find that even the slightest breakthrough in the presence of the lord is not only like the the slightest breakthrough of the presence of the lord not only sparks revivals but brought transformation to the church and that's important but also sent shock waves throughout the society um, the greater the manifestation of God's presence, the greater the revival, and the more profound the transformation, and the more powerful the shockwaves. And so I've been reading this book, The Power to Change the World, and it talks about the two greatest revivals um, that happened, one in Wales and one in California. And it's just kind of taught me what, what did the, I got hungry. I was like, what do these people do? Like, why are they different from us? Why are we not seeing a lot of this breakthrough? And I just got real hungry to go study what, what are they, who are they, what is different? And so when I started to ask those questions, I kind of, these are some of the things I came up with, which I want to share with you. And then I also, in my heart of hearts, know that Newcastle will see a revival. I really believe that. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt. Not one fiber in me feels like that is not going to happen. But it is going to take the wholehearted people that are broken before the Lord to actually start it, see it manifest, and also uh, withstand it because it's going to be a lot, um, a lot more on us as far as time and things. So we just have to be prepared for that. But first, let's just cover how do we cultivate it here, Okay. And after reading this book, I realized that they're in very important keys to revival. In a nutshell, because it's a lot, um, we need truth. So you can write that down. We need truth. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, God's love, and the presence of God. Okay, so we have to have the truth and the Spirit. Both have to walk together. And so, um, and then we have to learn to yield to the Spirit and move with the Spirit. In Genesis, it was, it's not new. In Genesis 1-2, it, it talks, about, talks about the Holy Spirit and how it moves. And we need to learn to yield and to stay in the wind of the Holy Spirit. And so, with that understanding, 
there's a few things we need to do in order to see that manifest. And that's kind of where my message is. Like the whole message is around how do we cultivate that in us first? Because it starts with you, not with you noticing other people who should do some things different, but you. And I'm talking about your kids. I'm talking about people that you do have a lot of influence over. I'm talking about like you first. So um, we, we need to be empty vessels, which the Lord started talking to me about this empty vessel thing. And we need to be empty vessels into, in order to hear the Spirit of God. And I feel like we are a church that already does that. We are a people that already, you know, hears the voice of the Lord. But what does it take to cultivate it in your heart? It takes, I'm going to say this a lot so we get it. It takes a group of people that's broken down before God to begin to remove the hindrances in their lives. They're committed and fully surrendered. And there are some keys to cultivate and activate that. And I already talked about truth and love and the presence. Remembering that facts changes the mind, okay? The manifest presence of the Lord changes the heart and the mind. And that's what we have, that's what we have to do. We can't function completely out of our mind. We have to, to do both. So we need the word and the power. So in Matthew twenty two twenty nine, it's kind of like a warning, warning if we go there, which I'm learning how to do this PowerPoint. I think I have that scripture. Yay. Okay. Jesus said you are an error because you do not know scriptures or the power of God. So we don't want to be an error if we want to be um, where he wants us. And if we're, if we're only in the power of God, then we're an error. If we're only in the, in the scriptures, we're also an error. So we, we need to have both um, functioning at the same time. And that brings the presence of God. Um, I, I want to give you a, kind of a little bit of an overview um, that this is not easy without community. Like we, we have to have that and cultivating that. So I, that's why I've decided to teach this six-week course in the winter. And because I think it's going to be important that we are encouraging each other as we go through this. We can go through these topics a little bit more in depth. Um, and hopefully get you stirred up and cultivate the God, God's dreams and destinies in your life. Because I'm a big believer in that if you have a bigger vision, which if you know me and you're close to me, I always have something I'm dreaming about. It's just kind of what God did in me from birth. Samuel's laughing because he works for me and he does see this daily. And I never, and his dad's the same way. We never stop thinking. Like we never, we just keep making we just love that bigger vision so bigger vision is important because it says if we don't have it we perish so that's actually scripture so I don't feel bad for the way that I'm created because God has created me that way you know when I meet with my friends they're like what do you got going on now <laughs> I'm like Michelle's like how do we catch up on everything you got going on every time I said I know it's it's so much but um but we need a higher perspective, even in the teachings about money that, you know, Eric's bringing to the table. We can get easily offended and walk in shame. But if we have a higher vision of revival, we're preparing our homes and our finances and our kids for revival, not because we want to deprive ourselves, but because we want to sustain the revival that's going on. We want to be available. There's nothing more that makes you unavailable is debt. 
debt will quickly make you unavailable. And debt will quickly make you have to work more than you really want to or should. So that's one huge thing. I think that we, as a church, why we're going through the whole money thing is because debt creates so much pressure. um, And it doesn't allow us to be available mentally, spiritually, or physically. It is the demon of bondage that's awful, that shuts us down. So if you're in my connect group, that's what we're pressing into all the time. We're getting debt free. We're praying over it. We're thinking about it. We're talking about it because a lot of times it's just talking with someone about it and, and then getting, you know, a game plan together. And this is something Scott and I have talked about and met with Eric on for a long time. And, and so it is manifesting. Praise God. Um, it's not about, okay, I already said that. So basically, are you ready for a move of God? These are the questions you can ask yourself. If, if God planted a revival tomorrow here in this city, would you be ready for it? Would the businesses that you're running sustain themselves so that you can be out? Would your family be able to cook meals when you're out? Would your family be able to clean? Would you, would you be sustainable? Could your family, does your family know how to pray? Because they are going to be sent too. Your teenagers, they're going to be sent. And when I started reading in this book about revival, it got me so fired up and convicted at the same time because it said revival broke out in Wales when one girl got saved two days prior. She said in a service, I love Jesus with all my heart. It broke out just with that statement. As there's the love of Christ, okay? It broke out. And the, the, the guy who actually started the revival was in the States but got called to Wales. And so he was called back to Wales to do what? You know what? Lead it. And guess who he was pastoring? Youth. All day long, every single day. Youth, 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 youth. Pouring into youth. Pouring into youth. All you guys pouring into you. That's what he was doing. Why? Because the 16th, 16-year-olds, 17 and 18-year-olds, they're the ones that start holding all the meetings. They did it. And so that was convicting to my heart. Are my kids ready? Was the first question. (laughs) Am I making myself very available to them right now, or am I getting sucked into other things I shouldn't be doing? Am I teaching them how to sustain that? So those are, that was a very convicting thing when I read that in that book. So just start asking yourself those questions. Are you ready for God to move? Are your finances ready? Is your home ready? And so the three main things that I kind of, I want to talk about is dying to ourselves and living by the spirit, becoming empty vessels and pouring out. Okay. So now that I've got you a little bit stirred up, maybe then I just want to talk about a little bit about what I've gone through the past couple months. And I've been living in Romans 8. And I'm going to tell you what, Angela Farmer's got anointing on these cups. She made me a cup that because I, next year my theme for the salon is grit and grace. And so I'm like, we're going to work hard and God's going to give us grace. And so I'm like, we're going to have grit and we're going to have grace. And so she makes me this cup that says grit and grace in Romans 8. And I was like, what's Romans 8 say? I mean, I know like some things in it, you know, some of my favorite verses are in it, but I'm like, what's all of it say? 
So I started, because she was like, do you want this on there? I'm like, well, I need to know what Romans 8 says before we put it on my cup, because I don't look like an idiot when it's sitting at my desk. And I'm like, oh, Romans 8, yeah. So I started studying Romans 8. And I'm like, oh, my, there's so much. And you all know the verses. You know what's in it. It's about living by the Spirit. So I'm going to read it, because I think there's so much power in just reading the Scripture. We, we don't do that. Oh, Maybe that one's out of order. Oh, it is. Hang on just a second. We're going to go right into Romans 8. And then we'll talk about this next one we have here. And if you don't have your Bibles, I actually do have it up here. So those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raises Jesus from the dead is living inside of you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Well, we read that a lot this morning, didn't we? Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if you are by the Spirit, you will be put to death, the misdeeds of the body, and you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, you are children of God. Okay, and this one is super important. Okay, I didn't realize this was inside of Romans because it's talking about the very thing, the very connection that's going to make you understand how to hear from God, and that's the love of the Father. The spirit you receive does not make you a slave so that you, are, that you live in fear again. I see more Christians living in fear than I do in any other stronghold. That's it. I see it every day. I see it every, everywhere I am in the community. Christians, not talking about people, but this is a promise. And I think one of the number one things that hold us back, fear is what held me back. Okay. So, so that you live in fear again, rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Sonship is also something we need to study. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Sonship is adoption, okay? It's the literal word for that. It's about you being adopted by the Father. And so that relationship, when nurtured, um, helps you walk in, walk in what you're called to walk in. It's that love piece that I'm talking about that causes revival to start to happen. So there are five verses that I want to pick out from there. I read it all I know. You go home and read it, and read it out loud. Like I've read it in five different versions. You just keep eating it because it just, there's, the, the word is living. 
and, and breathing. And I think these are five verses we need to really understand because it's truth. And I think sometimes we, we, we don't understand or even talk about truth. So verse 8, those who are uncontrolled by the sinful nature cannot please God. That's simple. We can't. When we're in sinful nature, we cannot please him. That's, I don't even need to say a whole lot, but that's, that's just his word. So verse 9, you, however, are controlled not by sinful nature, but by the spirit, if the spirit of God lives inside of you. So this excuse of like, I'm in sin, I'm, you know, like you see the sin inside your life and you, you can't get rid of it or you don't know how or whatever. If Jesus Christ lived in, lives inside of you, you don't have to walk in sin. That's the best news of the entire gospel that we believe. When J Jesus rose from the dead, the spirit, this, I got a hold of this when I was a new Christian, and it's what gave me life more than anything. The spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. Have any of you seen anybody raised from the dead? No, and I've been to big conferences that people are believing in for it, and they haven't seen it yet either, and they're walking in some serious anointing. That's some serious anointing. If you can raise someone from the dead, well, that anointing lives in you, and you, and you, and you, and you, boys. When you say yes to Jesus, he lives in you. And so that power is what will overcome the sin of what you're going through or the struggle that you're going through. That alone, if you recite in the mirror every day, should give you confidence to know that you will, you will live and that you will not have to live by your flesh. I know we're all dying to that right now. Um, in verse 10, it says, you know, basically this. If Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. So have you heard the phrase of dead man walking? I did not like that phrase when I was a new Christian. I came back to the Lord. I was like, ew, I don't like that. I don't like scary movies, and I felt like it was a graveyard thing, and there was, like, smoke coming up, and there's, like, these zombies, and I'm, like, dead man walking. I'm, like, nobody's going to want to be a Christian if I'm a dead man walking. It's actually obviously not that picture in my head. It is the very thing. You're, he was crucified, and you are too, and then he lives in you. So you don't have to live by your flesh. You just, you're living by him, by his um, ways. So... We are all dead men walking. Let's talk about that for a minute. If you think about a dead man, do you get offended? Tina says this all the time to me. Do you get offended if you're a dead man walking? No, because you're dead. No. Do you judge people? No, not when you're dead. So we don't, those, those are also the other two major things I see a lot inside of relationships, judgment and offense. Oh, we don't. We have a hard time as Christians, so those are two things that I just throw out there because if we're dead, we don't have to be offended. And so when we know we're offended, we're not quite dead yet. So it's a trigger <laughs> that you can look at, that you can go, oh, I am definitely not all dead yet. I am definitely not walking in Christ fully. My flesh is still there. Um... So that, that's one thing I just wanted to kind of bring to you. And verse 11, it says, um, and if the spirit of him, we talked about that. I'm not going to go over that again. And then we talked about Abba Father. So the spirit that lives inside of you is the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead. 
that's the very thing I believe that's going to make you do some things that you have to do that are going to be hard. I want our hashtag to be, we do hard things. Because living as Christ, you have to. These last, this last month, God's walked me through some things. Um, I went on a trip with these amazing, powerful women. And if you ever go on a trip with Tina and Christy Davis, know that you're going to get some deliverance. It was like I was in the hot seat for four days and I got a lot of deliverance, which was good. Didn't know I needed it. Cried myself to sleep one night because I'm like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? And it, but it just needed to happen because I know what God's doing down the road that I was willing to go ahead and go there and die, die. So I was dying to fear. Um, and so I re- received deliverance from fear, unhealthy mindsets from my past that caused me not to trust myself, God, or other people. God broke down some walls, and I became very vulnerable. That felt very uncomfortable. Anybody been there recently? We can go there, but then we just kind of can cover it back up again. Well, I kind of refused to cover it back up again because I knew God was doing something. I could feel God doing something in me, and I was very convicted, and repentance came over me. And I was very vulnerable. I felt like it was a very unsafe place to be, but God was helping me to die to my flesh. And and I was, re- but I was resisting the change. And so I could feel this tension inside of me. So I thought I would just not be obedient for that week. Dumb decision. Very dumb. I was walking around super miserable. That's when you yell when you shouldn't yell. That's when you take it out on the people around you. Just take care of God's business quickly. Yeah. Quickly. It'll make everyone around you feel an- a whole lot better. And so, um, and I can keep it together when I'm inside the business. That's not my temptation. It's at home. That's where I can't keep it together. And those are the people I love more than any, any, more than anyone. So, so anyways, um, for a week I was miserable, very miserable. And um, God started to show me uh, who I was supposed to talk to and that my words had hurt some people. And so... I, I started to, um, you know, throw out the, well, I was misunderstood. <laughs> I don't like to be misunderstood. And you're going to be misunderstood. Um, but it would cause me in the past to be like, well, that's their problem. And I hate to admit that. It seems very immature. But, like, when you feel misunderstood, there's a whole lot of excuses that you can make for yourself. And so... Um, I would also make very weak commitments because I wanted to be safe. And then I would also use my kids as an excuse. So I became this victim that I didn't even know that I was. And I was like, I'm not going to play that victim card anymore. I would hear my employees say, but Carmen, you have four kids. And you can't, and I'm like, that's no excuse. Like, it's going to be okay. So I would just hear this start to hear these things clearly and the big realization was people that would ask me to do stuff like the church Christmas party I must looked like a stressed out too busy woman to even be approached (laughs) and so I was like Tina why don't people ask me to ever do anything and and I had this shell around me that was very unapproachable and that is the worst thing if you're trying to reach people for the lost or reach people for Christ that are lost and so that is what was getting torn off of me is that safety shell that came around me that I just got hurt and thought I don't want anybody else to hurt me 
And so when it started to come off and that vulnerability started to come, I didn't want to step in obedience, but I was done with the wilderness experience. (laughs) Thank God it only lasted for a week. I came in on a Monday and I, I was like, I am doing what you asked me to do. And it happened within 24 hours. Everything he asked me to do. I wrote a letter. I met with three girls. I talked to them. I repented to them. I wanted the connection more than I cared about what my story was. And so Brene Brown, if you've never read any of her stuff, she's, she is, speaks to me. Um, it, it's all about, she, she talks about vulnerability, but she says staying vulnerable is a risk that we have to take to experience connection. And that, it, that just kept ringing in my mind as I was trying to do these very hard things that God had asked me to do. Because I was mending relationships, and, and I had sinned against them. But yet my flesh was saying I didn't. So I could live in death, which is sin, or I could live in um, life, which was in, in repentance and being quick, and quickly obeying. So I'm telling you all this because as God's just trying to get me to become an empty vessel, he's bringing all this stuff out of me so that I can become a better leader. And so the other part of it, which who has children in the room? Who's fasting? Whose children are children are fasting? Yeah. And so you're probably experienced some of this at home. And that's, that's a whole testimony. I think our church is going to have it is the most amazing thing that our kids are going through right now. It is so good. I have, I have been more creative with my kids, and they are coming up with more creative ideas because we have um, given up the video games, which causes a lot of manifestations. And <laughs> sometimes I'm weak, literally on the ground at my feet. And so we're kind of past that in the first week getting past it, and so that's good. Um, but I think that we that's where our, our wake-up has to be. That's the awakening that starts to have to happen is inside of our home first, with us first, revival. Inside of our home, which this fast is helping us wake up, and then obviously into our community. I am so glad God reorganized my thinking. I'm way, I can think really big. Our community is how I think. But had I, I'm thanking God that I'm not thinking only about our community, but I'm thinking first my home and then the community, which I have always thought, but we get very, very busy in in all the details of the bigger picture sometimes. So, okay, I talked about that. So being empty vessels is something I want you to start thinking about right now. Because I think, as I was kind of praying through this, I felt like there's going to be some things that God's going to bring to your heart, okay, about being empty vessels. I'm going to throw this out there, but I think it's going to take about 10 people to start a revival in this community. I really don't think it's going to take that much more. I really don't. It's literally the people that are completely sold out, broken down, and get rid of the hindrances in their lives that's going to start and carry out the revival, So please don't get discouraged in the meantime, for all I know you've been laboring for so long. But in 2 Timothy, it says, as if anyone cleanses himself 
from these things. He will be vessels for honor. He will be sanctified, useful to the master, and what does the last say? Prepared to do any good work. We have to be cleansed. Have to be empty vessels. And so when I think of, you know, you can think about blood vessels usually come to your mind maybe that did to mine when I was thinking about vessels. And when you um, have buildup, okay, this is a prophetic picture, honestly, that I see that's happening. You have buildup, which is cholesterol inside your blood vessels. That's blockage. Well, blood vessels' main purpose is to transport blood all over the human body. And, and it's transporting nutrients and oxygen, okay, to the tissues of the body. When we have blockage, like cholesterol, God can't flow through us. And so I have felt over the last month I'm in, and has prophetically been spoken over me that I'm having heart surgery. And I really feel like that's what's happening. So as we go through this, this is why our church is known for inner healing. Because the number one way is to get these blockages out is inner healing. So as we start to say yes more to that, and then also um, learning to die to ourselves and getting a community around us to help us with that. Um, God's going to start pouring himself out, but if we have blockages, he can't. And so that, that's why we can't pour out and we're exhausted. I meet with women all over, all the time, and exhaustion is all over us, all the time. And so one of the books that I've been reading is I Was Busy But Now I'm Not. It's by Joseph Peck. He's one of my favorite people these days. I've known him for about three years totally long story, but he's an anesthesiologist that quit his job, his six-figure income, to start Empower 2000, which is a webinar business, and um, he says he used to put people to sleep, but now he wakes them up in Christ. He's so funny. He's just like this geeky father is what I feel like. He's my geeky father. He is such an amazing man. He's a good teacher, and inside his book, there's so many practical teachings, and that's one of the books I'm going to use for my class, and it talks about um, intimacy with Christ. And I think that's where we have to start when we start this cleansing process um, and getting ourselves to an empty, empty vessel. So just to kind of close up a little bit more and to bring back a week ago what happened at church when we started to link arms, that's literally, that vision happened how long ago do you think? Okay, so I learned at this conference that visions, 15 years ago, okay, so Jessica White's dad had this vision about our church linking arms with each other and, and it just this unity. Well, since we started coming here 10 years ago, that's all I heard about. I heard about this vision. I heard about this vision, and I have it in my head, but I heard about it and heard about it and heard about it. And then I went to this conference, and there was a lady who talks about dreams and visions, and she said, if you have a vision, sometimes it takes 10 years to manifest. More, a vision takes longer to manifest than a dream. I was like, that's why that army thing isn't ha hadn't happened yet. I think it's happening now, though. I think it's happening now. And when Tina came up here and linked arms with Alger was to her right, Eric was to her left, and she linked arms with them, and she, we all stood up and linked arms together. 
And she said, when you're in a fence, she doesn't even remember she said this because I asked her the next day. She's like, I don't remember what I said. She said, when you're in a fence, it, you break the, the bond that you guys have and that person can be picked off. The two offenses that she called out are the offenses that I know that this church has to get through and every other church and every other person before we can rise up to be that army. Do you remember what they were? Offense and judgment. She called those two things out. And so as we're starting to link arms, we have to realize we can't get offended. Right. We, we can't judge. Don't judge. Don't be offended. So um, when we become dead man walking, we don't. Right? Right. Because we just don't. And so I think that I just, that picture is just in my mind. I actually thought about it two weeks ago, the whole unity thing. And that's why this message of revival, and it's starting to be cultivated in your heart and in mine, so that it can be walked out. So I, because I'm just the activate part of me, I want you to walk out with something you're going to be obedient to, okay? Because it's very easy to learn all this and see all of it, and you've probably already known it, and I'm just giving you a big, bigger picture. It doesn't do any good if we're not actually going to put it into action. So um, I, I just want you to get a piece of paper and a pen, and if God, it, it may be more about relationships. It may be about um, repenting to someone, okay? It may be about overcoming a stronghold that you have and needing help, but you're not sure how you need help because you just have functioned in your life the way you functioned in your life for so long and you don't want to you don't want to share anything with anyone I, I was there Michelle Preble I don't know how I even told her what was going on in my life I just trusted her I guess and it was God and she cried with me that's what we need to understand these people aren't and she doesn't remember anything or told anybody anything she just was excited that I was getting freedom that was 10 years ago and so whatever it is that God's put on your heart right now, if there's a specific person that you need to talk to or if there is a specific sin that you're really struggling with or if there is a specific offense that you have with someone, I'm just going to have you play this song and I'm just going to give you a minute to just sit in God's presence and understand the number one ingredient to revival is repentance. It may be, I'm sorry, God, I'm not spending time with you like I should. It may be, I don't even open my Bible. could be in your presence today and God that you would change us an everlasting changing not one that's just here today and gone tomorrow 
you are a God that has a heart for revival in this city, God, and I know you do. And so I trust that you will prepare your people. And God, that you will help us to be quick at obedience. And God, that we start to have a real reverence, a fear of you, God. And God, that you would help us to die to ourselves and the things that that we've replaced you with, God. We don't want to we don't want to replace you with anything. God, help us with the things that you've laid on our heart today. That we would have quick obedience this week to make those things right or to turn in the right direction, God, with the help of our brothers and sisters. I just thank you, Lord, for your presence. Because in your presence we are changed, heart and mind. Help us to be open and vessels for you, God, so that we can honor and be sanctified and to be used by the master in all the good works that you have for us, God. Help us to, to continue to be cleansed. God, if we have any unforgiveness towards anyone, God, help us to clean that up. Help us to learn how to cultivate, cultivate this revival in our own hearts and in our, in our families and in our cities. I thank you, God, that your outpouring will come and that we will be vessels ready when you do. And I thank you that you have a community around us, God, that we will continue to grow in you and see glory to glory. God, I just thank you that for all the people that are here today, God, that you will change them forever, God, that there will be a message inside their heart that will be burning that you will teach them, Lord, in your ways, that there will be a burning for Scripture and there will be a burning for the power of God and that it will unite together. God, that we won't only know Scripture and we will only and not only know the power of God, but we will know both joined together so that we can experience your presence in this city, in our homes. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name.